It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is horror filmmaker Melanie Light. Welcome to the show. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for having me. Very excited to uh, talk about horror killing people with you. <laughs> Indeed, that's that's what that's the agenda. We have got five great serial killer movies to discuss. But before we do that, do you want to uh, let the uh, listener in on uh, some of the films you've made and maybe something you've got in the works? Yeah, cool. So um, I'm a sort of writer, director, made lots of short films. My most uh, prominent and to date and very popular short film is a vegan feminist horror film called The Herd, um, which is an analogy of the dairy industry, which um, is like the gift that keeps on giving. Um, It's a timeless piece that um, very much... uh, is very horrific. Um, it is indeed. It, starring Pollyanna McIntosh, if, if yeah, no less. Starring Pollyanna McIntosh. And um, prior to that, I've made some other sort of short films, um, very much into female protagonists, um, which I've been doing for over about 10 years. And now I'm just currently writing a, actually writing a serial killer film um, at the moment. Um which is I'm basically writing the film that I've always wanted to see that nobody's basically had the guts to make yet. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing that at the moment. Well, yeah. if, if anyone's going to write it, that's got to be you, and it, really, if it's the one you want to see, because <laughs> we can't mind read you. So I think we look forward to that. that I tried horror, that one. <laughs> we look forward to that horror show. Um, so as a, bit of tra- as a bit of training then, and a bit of a look back on what you love about serial killer movies... We're going to mm-hmm. do five. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to use the five-by-five five format. So just for the listener who hasn't listened to this before, that means that Melanie's given me five films. We'll talk about each one for five minutes. And when the dog barks, that's when we move on to the next film, which means five minutes are up. Does that seem straightforward to you, Mel? Yeah, yeah. Brilliantly. Yeah. You can hear that okay at your end. Yeah, I can hear the doggy. Brilliant. I don't know why a dog, by the way, Mel, but it's it's stuck and I'm stuck with it. As a his dogs are cool. <laughs> well, there's that as well. There is that. First out the gate is probably I guess the serial killer film of all that all of the serial film serial killer films will be judged. The audacious feature film debut, uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Do you want to give us a what you like about that and why it's an interesting piece of cinema? Yeah, uh, well, obviously, you know, it's a 1986 film um, by John McNaughton, um, which is a serial killer film that is loosely based on an actual serial killer, um, Henry Lee Ludgus, and then also Otis Tall. 
Um, and I think what stands out for me is, I mean, just the opening scene, um, the opening of the film is like, you know, a silent kind of camera gliding along images of, you know, quite harsh images of mutilated women. Um, at, but I think also like, you know, um, uh, Michael, is it Ruka? Yeah. Um, who plays Henry's performance is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, and for me, I'm very much into this kind of single character, um, bizarre kind of characters where you almost feel sorry for them, even though they're doing something that is absolutely atrocious mm. um, in society. And I think, you know, Henry was made with an extremely low budget. Um, and I know they had a lot of, you know, problems with posters getting banned and stuff like that. And I think, you know, in the 80s was a time when uh, we had all those kind of serial killer films, but it was more like, you know, like Freddy Krueger films, you know, like Friday the 13th, Halloween and all of that shit was all coming out. But that's all like very kind of, I mean, I see that as a bit more camp and a bit more, yeah, that was definitely heightened as a, as yeah, a drama. It, was, it never Henry, felt real. Yeah, whereas Henry really feels like, you know, you're you're in a dirty, sad city and there is this horrible person going around, you know, you know, killing people. Um, and and you don't necessarily quite know exactly why he's doing it. It is, you know, and then he's like living with his old kind of prison mate and then his Otis who, and then his sister comes and lives with them. And there's almost like a, his sister's, you know, been through a lot of problems and she sort of latches onto him, but he's not really interested in her because he's like got this kind of impotence with women where, you know, he can have this power, you know, over women by kind of like killing them. Mm. But then, um, and and then obviously he sort of ropes in Otis once they, they end up, you know, smashing a TV over like the TV guy, you know, they break the TV breaks, which is like the worst thing in the world for a lot of people. Um, so you go and get a new TV and then they end up getting a video camera and then they're going out as a pair kind of like killing people together to the point that then there's also a section, you know, Otis starts like basically you know, attempting to rape his sister and, 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 and Henry's like, no, you can't do that. So there is a side of him that is... Yeah, it's a weird moral code that he possesses. That, that, yeah. Because he's yeah. definitely got one. But then yeah. when it comes to his chosen victim, um, he, he has none. He just will, he will go into emotionless, no empathy mode. Yeah, because it's like, you know, he has that, but like we have him go around stalking women and following women around. And he's got a job that where they invite him into his house. And it's almost like, you know, we don't even know like all the victims that he's doing throughout the movie. It's just like, it is a constant him just, and but it's just very seedy, like the city CD. I'm a really big fan of like, you know, the outside world as an influence I think Henry is one of the sort of like is very dark um, because it has that social it has that social commentary and social realism about being that forgotten kind of person within society mm. um, that you don't even kind yeah it's of almost know like it. a workaday existence isn't it that he's like a, he's like a workaday existence of a killer so it's almost like mundane in in a bit to him 
because it's so normal for him. Yet for us, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because obviously, like, you know, the way it's set on, you know, the way he's been portrayed in this and Henry Lee Lucas. And then recently there was that Netflix series on out about Henry Lee mm. Lucas. And and then, you know, when I watched that and I was like, oh, hang on. And that was really interesting because that kind of actually exposed him to be someone who was actually just a, a liar. And it's like, well, ah, was he well, actually finish your thought. Finish your thought. So, so it was interesting because it's like, was Henry actually, was he actually a serial killer in real life or was he just, just saying it for attention? So which he got from that Netflix series. Oh, but right. as a standalone film, Henry Portrait Serial Killer is very... I, it's my type of serial killer film because it's disturbing. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of low budget of the time yeah. has actually meant that it stood the test of time. It still feels as powerful to this day as the day yeah. as the day it came out in eighty six. Which you know, some films they look they begin to look like the age they come from. Whereas, I think the clever- I mean some of the effects, obviously, and like you know the special effects stuff's a bit ropey around yeah. the edges because of the time and the period, but you get out of that stuff. But, you know but I mean? the time and the period of the rundown, wrong side of the track's life that he's living in. So it's like he's in, he's almost invisible, isn't he, to, to mm. you and I, because we, we we don't see these people. And that's kind of what, I think that's what John McNaughton got really, did really well with the film is that, I mean, I thought, and what you don't see normally in a film either is that stalk that then turns into, oh no, I'll chicken out of that because the odds aren't good for me. You rarely see that. That was a, that's a really powerful moment. Like you realize that he's a coward really for all of his, for all of mm. his um, abilities to take a life. He understands ended, risk. Yeah. And I think the way it ends is brilliant as well, because like he's just still going. Yeah. yeah <laughs> probably is to this day. Right then. Number two on your list, jumping ahead nine years to 1995 to the box office smash. That was David Fincher's seven. Oh, well, seven, seven I saw in the cinema when I was 15 years old at school. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, it was, an, it was an 18. I shouldn't have been going to it, but at the time, I could get away with that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, for, for me, it was also, I think, going in, obviously, in a Brad, Brad Pitt. He had Brad Pitt had all the films out there, and it was fucking brilliant. But, um, so, but I, over time... Seven is one of the probably the re, most watched films I've ever watched that is a serial killer film. Okay, and I think what David Fitcher has done with it, and for me, it's a staple of cinematography, production design, um, music. You know, I was a massive Nine Inch Nails fan at the time when this came out as mm. well. Um, and I think where Seven's a bit, you know, the difference is Seven and you know Henry, where Seven is, you know, a very structured script about you know this serial killer and you don't actually get to see him and who he is until much later. Mm. Um, and it is, you know, the seven sins, which is so, it is, it is that, you know, it's a crime thriller basically, because we obviously set following the cops and, you know, like Morgan Freeman's like characters, like, you know, that classic is, you know, that just that last job, but it sucks them in and then they have to do it. And then you've got the new rookie, you know, um, who's up for everything. And mm. It's just like, you know, it's that classic thing, but the way that it's done is just like so fucking, you know, it's always like got such a beauty to it. And like the thought that's gone into each sin and how they move on to the next one. And then, 
you know, and, and even like, you know, the world with it, you know, the rain, it's so important for them to have rain all the way through this world. And the writer talks about how he lived in New York and he fucking hated living in New York. And that's where this came from. Okay. That, you know, similar to Henry as well, that dark underbelly of society, you know, like the world is shit. And like, and, and, but, you know, it's interesting, obviously, like, you know, who, when you find out who the, you know, the, um, you know, who the serial killer is, and then it's this amazing room and books and stuff and, you know, and then it, and, and how it unfolds. And then obviously it's got the most famous fucking bit at the end when it's like, don't open the box, don't yeah. open the box. Um, which everyone who's seen Seven is just like, you know, that's such a, Famous line. I don't. Know. I don't know how many times I've seen it, but I still hope he doesn't. It's like it's one of them. It is that it's so, so brilliantly set up that even though you know it's going to happen, there's still a hope that you're going to see a version where he doesn't. Yeah, and and it's like I think yeah, you still the thr- the thriller aspect of it is just like absolutely fantastic, and and you are you you know, but then it's so fucking dark, like. The fact that, you know, a guy, you know, lust is a man being made to wear a fucking, like, knife strap on mm. and have a gun held at his head and fucking a woman to death. Like, I mean, when have we seen something like that modern day fucking cinema? I remember that. I mean, that at the cinema, that yeah, Pol- like, when, that, like- when that Polaroid flashed up of of the device, you know, when, he's, when they're talking to the, uh, the guy that made it, you're kind of like that, just that where your mind goes on, on that, just that information is enough, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, like for me, like I'm a big David Fincher fan. I think the way that he works with like actors Ross and Trent Reznor and his music um, and he, his suspense and his thriller. um, And obviously this was a big blockbuster movie. uh, It's just, you know, visually it is, you know, the production design, the like, you know, just the character development, the way that you are like trying to find out all this and then, you know, they're finding the wires and the way that it is all linked up to this, you know, and also this one is very much like, this isn't based on any real serial killers. Mm. This is like a make completely made up kind of, you know, thriller story sort of thing. It's the sort of thing that you'd like read it as a novel. So, um, yeah, you just can't go wrong with Seven. I think it's just... And while while you were talking, I'm, it's interesting, I never thought about this before, but obviously because we just talked about them side by side, there is a parallel with Henry in the sense of, um, obviously Henry is about the idea of as long as the killer keeps moving, he'll never get caught, you know, the and changing MOs and all that kind of stuff. And Seven really does speak to the impotence of the police investigating that they can't, if, if it's motiveless... Um, apparently it's it's a puzzle that they're being set, but really it's such a random motive. Like the idea of finding, you know, the, the idea that police work would find the criminal, you know, the criminal mm. hands himself over. They don't catch him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that. But they're part, he's part of the story though, isn't he? Of so course. He's yeah. Last yeah. But, so he, but it's all that, that whole, you know, the whole thing is completely pre pre-planned. Absolutely, absolutely. No, it's, it's it's like the criminal mastermind, but in the same way that, like on the Peter Sutcliffe documentary, you know, mm. it wasn't great policing that caught him. It was just a happy accident that they pulled him over for something else and then they found yeah. him. You know, 
the idea of catching a serial killer is actually really hard and and seven plays into that notion really well yeah but this one was obviously he was like giving them clues and tidbits he was playing with the coppers oh yeah he wanted to get caught but on his terms and in the end it yeah. was it was about him giving himself up and that which it, he basically won he did yeah i mean he he didn't live to tell the tale but yeah in that moment he won right then a very yeah. different serial killer film is number 3 2003's Monster, directed by Patty Jenkins, who's, I was just reading, is on the brink of her third Wonder Woman. Oh, is she? Amazing. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so Monster, Patty Jenkins, was a feature, you know, this was a debut feature, mm. which is, like, as a debut feature film, is fucking solid. You know, like, mm. um, uh, and obviously Charlize Theron's, who I'm a big fan of her work anyway, like her performance in this as Eileen Wernos is absolutely outstanding. So, you know, I spend a lot of time reading about female serial killers and looking at the differences between male and female serial killers. Mm. And obviously Eileen Wernos, real life serial killer, it's fucking shitloads of stuff. I've got her memoirs and stuff. Like you can watch all sort of interviews on her on the internet. She's a really, really very unique human being, but her life was fucking shit. As a teenager, she was like raped by a local paedophile, had to live in the woods. Like nobody, she had a horrible, horrible life. And you can tell, and it's really interesting because Monster very much is a film that kind of portrays, we have such a sympathy for her Mm. and we really can we kind of are rooting for her. And this is one of the few female serial killer films, which I personally think is fucking good. Um, there's lot, there's a few more out there these days, but whereas this, like, I really am, it's, and it's similar, same thing, Henry Seven, it is in, within a social society and a world which nobody wants to fucking be living in. Mm. You know, it's about, whereas with, you know, Arlene Wuerros in Monster, it's about survival and it's her trying to be who she is and trying to survive within society. Um, And it's about just wanting to be loved as well. Like, you know, the scene, there's a scene where, you know, they're, they're, you know, her and Selby are there at the bus stop and like, and they're in tears and she just wants to provide for her. She just wants to be a normal human being. But, she can't and it's so powerful and I just you know when you look at the difference of how she became that character um it is it's just outstanding to me I just think no one it's kind of the it's the opposite isn't it of the um I mean obviously it's it's a real character it's a real based on a real person but as in, in Henry being a um this guy who's a sociopath she she is the victim of umpteen traumas which means that her inability. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. to connect with people is because people have just let her down constantly and constantly, you know, yeah. she's never known yeah. what support and 
rooting yeah. for you is. So therefore she can't connect with people on that level, which is a big tragedy of the film. Yeah, which is her real life as well, mm. you know. Just like, and I think the way that they created a story from her life and how it's portrayed, you know, um, and and you're with her when she first kills that guy. Mm. Like you're with her, you know, um, and even though she is still, she's trying to survive. And there is times, you know, when she like does get some innocent guys because she's just starting to like, you know, it's like things become, it is, it is a matter of survival for her. Yeah. Whereas the others, it, it, and it's, you know, she knows that people are after her. And then, you know, even when she gets caught at the end, you know, by the plainclothes police officers, and then it's also her battling her inner like feelings of like, you know, um, she's always slept with men and then she suddenly becomes, you know, engrossed in Selby. And she, at first she's like in denial about being gay. Um, and there's a lot of that, you know, within the story as well, her trying to figure out who she is. Um, and I think that's really a really interesting aspect within the film as well. Um, and it's, so I think it's a very sympathetic sympathetic film. And it's interesting when you hear Eileen Wurrows in real life talking about it, mm. you know, and she's like, people have cashed in on my life, you know. Um, and then, then she might start talking about Star Trek or something because she was just, she, she had, I feel sorry for her as a person because if she'd been helped as a child, mm. she would never be in the position that she had been. And I know we do have a lot of, you know, sympathy. There is a lot of things that happen to serial killers. But for me, Eileen, like, really was treated like shit by society, by family, by men, by everyone. Um, And there was, you know, there was no help for her. And I just think, so I think the way that they've put this out, like, the sympathy that I have for her, um, you know, I've got an Eileen Wurrows T-shirt, so... What a fucking debut feature film, though. Fucking hell. From one fantastic debut film to another, Jared Johnson's Tony from 2009. Now, this is one that we both share a love for, for sure. Yeah, I absolutely love Tony. Um, I don't know what it is. I think, once again, you know, and Tony, out of all these films, is our only British serial killer film, because we don't really have many British serial killer films, actually. Not like... That I can really think of. Um, and Tony is a made-up serial killer, but he is loosely based on Dennis Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and if you know Dennis Nelson, so you can understand some aspects of that. Um, and I have been actually fortunate enough to work with Gerard Johnson and Peter Ferdinando on Hyena. Um, so I got to nerd out and be like a bit of a nerd, like going, oh my God. Um, so for Tony, what, what, for did, me, what, did, what did he, what did he tell you when you nerded out with him that, that, you know, he's like, you're kind of a film secret you can share with us of the film that you wouldn't have known. Uh, just watching the only one was like, you know, there was just stuff when, cause I can rewatch Tony over and over again was just, you know, the bit where like when he gets pushed into the dustbin bags and the old man comes up to him, I was like, that's real, isn't it? You can see. And that's what I love about Tony is that a lot of it is like just walking down through Dalston, walking through London, 
it's once again shown society a, a, an invisible person within society mm. um, who is killing people and we don't really, we don't give a shit about them. And they're, you know, Tony really is a bit of a loser. He hasn't got a job. Um, you know, how the fuck he survived in his little flat, we don't know. Um, and he is this, and we have a sympathetic kind of, Feeling with him as well, and yeah, that's the weirdest he, thing, isn't it? We know he's killed, and when the job centre guy bullies him, and the and the yeah. golf sign guy bullies him, we feel yeah. for Tony. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because obviously Tony's going to like gay clubs, and he's picking up guys, and he's got like, and he takes them home, but then he's also like going and phoning sex. So, sort of sex workers and mm. but doesn't really know how to like he doesn't know how to communicate with with people let alone women mm. and he's he's communicate you know and then he ends up you know because he ends up like meeting up like with a couple of sort of drug drug addicts wandering off with them killing them you know lets one of them go and then he's just and it is like it's a slice of life and a lot of it is very handheld work it's very um, improvised. Uh, it's very real. It's on the streets of London. It shows a, 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 a portion of London. Um, a lot of it's not like that anymore either. No, Dolphin's um, changed. Yeah, big so time. Much. And I just remember, I don't know how come I saw this, but I just, you know, it's refreshing to have like a London serial killer film. And it has... It reminds me a lot of Henry Portrait Serial Killer in the way that is that low budget, gritty, realistic kind of thing, you know. Um, and it's a single, you know, Tony is very much a single character, and it's him going through his 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 journey, you know, and he's just sort of cutting up bits of body and chucking them in the Thames, and you know, bits of Thames, the Thames is full of all sorts of bodies and bits. So he's just adding to something that's already there, mm. you know, and 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 it is like like Henry just at the it ends and he just he's just carrying on and he's just within the world and society just like picking up guys and having their dead bodies in bed with him and you know it's his social awkwardness that is I don't know something that you just find kind of attractive within that film as well mm. um well, interesting. Uh, like a bit, again, a bit like a bit like Henry is like the opening sequence where the first thing you hear him talk is he rattles onto the DVD seller on the street, which is sort of not the idea of a threatening man. Equally, the first line that you hear Henry speak is him being nice to a waitress, which is the opposite of all the images you've just seen before he speaks, kind of thing. It's yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Now you know it's well whether we like it or not, a killer is still a complex human being, and that's what the film sort of tackles definitely definitely and it, and he is you know you and that's what Dennis Nelson was like like when they picked the police picked him up they were like I can't believe this guy's been killing someone he's just this weedy little guy mm. and and that's what's great about Tony is like he's not big he's not muscular you know you don't and a lot of these guys you know serial killers they're not and I think you know they're not big bulky people that work out like you don't need to you know and it's just bag over the head or you know a hammer it's just very simple homely realistic kind of murders it's just it's almost like that's his thing he's just like wandering around just killing people you know hasn't got a job 
that's just like watching his action movies, you know, eating his cereal and and going to his gay bars and he's just having a lovely time. <laughs> it, it is it is quite a surreal version of having a lovely time, but that he is. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes for uh, anyone that wants more on Tony because I did do a, a deep dive with Jared about that film. Um, your final selection, and I was just, and again, another debut, and I was looking at, I just wanted to look up, Seven is is David Fincher's second film. He did, he did Alien yeah. 3, but I guess yeah. you could say it's his first original film. But it's interesting how debut feature films are the serial killer, and obviously with you working on yours, is uh, is a thing, you know. It seems a to be thing. like everyone everyone's angry at the world, Mel. Everyone's angry at the world. That's so, easy, that is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, let's jump. Let's jump into 2011's absolutely shocking on many levels, Snowtown or the Snowtown Murders, I think, as it's called in the states. Um, yeah, Justin Kurzel's, I guess, another audacious debut because it really goes to places and points to a story yeah. which we've never seen before, I don't think, in that sense. I think out of all of them, out of all of them, Snowtown is very, is a horrific horror film, mm. which horror films should be horrific. I want to watch a film and I want to go home or I want to sit down afterwards and feel fucking hollow mm. or like shit afterwards. What's the fucking point of it being horror? Anyway, Snowtown, I don't know how or where I saw it. If I saw it at cinema, I don't know how come I found it, whatever. But the first time I saw it, I was just like, what the fuck? Like, it really, it really fucking punches you in the gut. And there's a couple of scenes in there that are just horrible. And it's... And it took me a long time to watch it a second time. I had it on DVD. I don't think I have to, you know, to be honest. I have it on DVD and it took me a very long time to watch it a second time. Hmm. Because, and and this once again is based on a true story. So this is based on a true snow town's place in Australia um, and a serial killer, basically. So basically there was a mother and a two and a boy and her boys and it worked out, and her boyfriend at the time was taking photos, uh, indecent photos of her kids. Police didn't do anything about it. Um, and then their, uh, a friend of the family um, introduced them to a guy who basically absolutely despised pedophiles, homosexuals, who's, uh, and he's, so he ended up harassing him. And then it ended up being uh, this guy, so John, who was... There's the leader of this kind of serial killer situation who is terrifying as well. And he's also in the Babadook. Um, and uh, he, I think the way he portrays a sinister character is so strong. Um, and he sort of becomes friends with the, the, the son of the family. And then they basically, it works out that he's going around and he's figuring out if he does it, he thinks, if he thinks you're an oddball or he thinks you're gay or he thinks you're a paedophile, they were just going and killing people, but they were killing them and then like making them talk into cassette tapes saying, mom, I'm going away somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the- uh, and trying to cover it up and it went on for ages. And it was a whole community 
that started getting sucked in by this very evil, charismatic guy who is played so strongly. And there's just like, there's this, a rape scene with two brothers, which is absolutely one of the horrific, horrible scene. And it's just the way that it's very voyeuristic. Camera stays in one place and you can just hear the cricket going in the background to just show that this, these things happen to people just every day. Mm. And I think that's what's so, it's not, and it's his brother. And then, so in the end, they find out what's been going on. And then he he, the, he has to kill his own brother. And there's a strangling scene in the bath and that as well, which is like, is just, oh, it's horrific. Mm. And, and, and obviously, you know, in real life, he got caught and stuff. And it's very much about a young boy's, the way that you can, as a young, impressionable child in once again, a, an area of society and a poor area, police aren't listening to you, you know, how these things can just evolve and how as a young, impressionable teenager, you can be influenced and you can be pushed and pulled and, you know, that, and made to do these awful, awful things. And just the way that it's shot, I love like, that kind of grey, you know, and a lot of the characters in this were real people as okay, well. I didn't know that. And you can really tell that. You mm. can always tell when it's real with it. And, and that just in, it adds a layer of realism and then that makes it a stronger film because it's not always actors, you know. It's like, for instance, why I love Under the Skin and the, the way that they went out with the camera and just put that out, you know. Um, and I think it's that realism for me that makes me really feel like I'm, you know, you're there watching it. You're, mm. I've, I've, and some of the way that it's shot, like it's very, you know, it's really, the cinematographer, he's great. Very voyeuristic. And I think that's something that's really important as well for horror films, especially if you want to put the audience member within that world. Mm. Uh, Snowtown is fucking hard. Like it's, it's hard to watch repeatedly yeah 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 i mean it's kind of i mean it's into what you say there about the voyeuristic element and i think it's often it's something in horror films that people get wrong a lot of the times in the sense of the camera isn't being a voyeur the camera's just showing us what's going on which is not the same the i if you make us almost like part of it that's where you've got us isn't it you know if you almost like yeah. you feel you fit there's a there's an element of guilt watching it you know not just not just the thrill seeking you know, or the, the 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 being horrified. It's like, oh my god, should I really even be watching this? This is, and it is. It, yeah, I think I think it's again a bit like um, a bit like Tony. It it gives a window into a world that I had no idea about. I don't know. The, I don't know this way of life in Australia. And clearly, they were people that have been just. I mean, literally, lots of people have been forgotten and not treated with any seriousness. You know, it was like yeah. like a kind of trailer park type of equivalent in America, what you would know as in America. It was very much that the poor, let's just forget about them. And then that made it, you know, you could see as a kind of, I guess, the subtext of the film that that was part of it is that these are people that nobody cares about anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of adds. Which unfortunately in the world of serial killers, you know, for serial killers, they are the easy target sometimes. Mm. You, you know, people don't care about the lower end people, you know, they care about rich people. Indeed. I don't really want to, you know. I'm not, in, you know. I'll watch something with a bunch of rich people being killed, but that that I'll watch for shits and giggles. So, 
don't care about them. <laughs> well, look, let's run through your five great serial killer movies. We've got 1986's Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, 1995's Seven, 2003's Monster, 2009's Tony, and 2011's Snowtown. Um, is there anything, is there anything, having talked about them now in the round, um, is there any any themes for you that emerge from that that you've that you thought that you've thought about just having having themes? Yeah, from obviously like I'm very into this sort of like the social realism mm-hmm. um, and society uh, being um, you know the world that they're in very much is almost part you know the world is very important to be part of the story as well. Yeah. Um, because it's what influences people around them as well. So if you're like, you know, if there's if you're not surrounded by love, then you know it is quite easy to be like that. So they are very much it's the the forgotten work people. You know, like we were just saying, it is this dark, realistic kind of sad world of lo- like most sometimes quite lonely people. Yeah, that have just been nobody cares about the invisible person. And how you can just sort of be forgotten, and yeah, I mean, there's they especially. I mean, in America, like such big countries, it is you know serial killers are always active. Mm. But obviously, there's only one where we see you know there's only one female serial killer within this. So, well, look, you're going to write a female, a female serial director kill- as well. Yeah, you're going to write a female serial killer movie, and we we wait for that with bated breath. <laughs> so um, do I. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so people that haven't seen the herd that are listening to this can go check it out. Oh. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving your time on the Britflix podcast. Thanks for getting me on. It's good. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 